what's the function of conflict? Like it does fine. Maybe it doesn't feel good to have, especially if you don't know how to have it. It doesn't feel good to have maybe emotionally. So it feels sort of like dysregulated or volatile on the inside. It's unsettling. It's, it's all of these things, but like the function of it is that you are trying to be heard and you're trying to make a point and you're trying to be understood and you're trying to like create a better relationship for yourself. Like something isn't working for one or both parties. You have to have friction. Like you, you can't let the system continue on without making adjustments. And that adjustment might look like a big argument or just a small, a small disagreement. All of it for me is conflict. Like it's all the same. The intensity of it varies, obviously, but like it all serves the same function. You have to have some friction in order to like course adjust and then go in a slightly new direction. Hi, I'm Casey, and right here beside me is Kelsey. We are licensed professional counselors, mothers, entrepreneurs, oh, and besties. We know firsthand what it's like to wake up one day and think, how in the heck did I wind up here? Through our own journeys of self-discovery, we found that joy is something that has to be pursued through our own internal work. Now we are on a mission to help women from all walks of life understand themselves more so they can experience real lasting joy. Join us every Thursday to hear interviews with experts who can point you towards self-discovery and inner joy. Fucking Tara. Tara fucking Blossom Kimber. Thank you very much. (laughs) That was the best introduction. Okay. Here we are, Casey and Kelsey, Kelsey, Casey and Kelsey (laughs) on the Back Porch Bestie podcast. And we are talking to Tara today. She is very good at what we're going to talk about today, which is conflict. And we'll maybe also tell you a little bit about some of mine and Tara's personal little fight, fighty fights. You can introduce yourself better than we can. So tell us, tell us who you are. Okay. So my name is Tara Boston Gimper. My, I hate formal stuff, but we'll do formal stuff first. I'm a licensed professional counselor, LPC in the state of Missouri or therapist. My training is counselor education and supervision. So my PhD lives there. So basically teaching and training baby counselors and baby therapists. I own a group counseling practice, a group therapy practice in Columbia, Missouri. We just opened a second location in Jefferson City, Missouri. So middle of Missouri. I do some light consulting on the side. There's basically no advertising behind it. It's just like people will reach out to me and I'm like, yeah, sure, we can do this. So it's like very light on the side. I have two kids and I'm about to pop with my third. I'm married. We have three dogs and 11 chickens and (laughs) a farm. Oh yeah, farm. We're setting up a homestead. We just moved like two months ago. So we're like in the middle of setting up a homestead in January of 2023. Maybe that's better for timing wise, but we just moved in late January 23 and we're like getting ready on a bunch of acreage. So that's pretty what, sweet. I've been calling you little house on the Terry. <laughs> yeah, that is it. That's super funny. That's really accurate. Little house on the chair. I even have like a long dress on right. A maxi, like a, a, not a prairie style, but it's like a flowing dress. <laughs> you need a bonnet. I would wear a bonnet. So let's, let's give everyone a little bit of background about the Terry and Terry and I met, um, gosh, back in 2017 on a conference or I don't, it wasn't a conference. It was was 17 or 18, but yeah, it was, it was 18. It was when Forrest was a year old. It was like a a week long retreat. Oh yeah. That's a better word. Yeah. Retreat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as soon as I saw you, I was, I swear to God, I was terrified. I was like, oh my God. Cause she, you were so loud and just like gives no F's at all. 
And we just became besties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you tried to hug me and I I did not want to be hugged. And I didn't care. I knew that's like you softening up though. I was like, oh, this is working. This is good. You saw me as like your little project. Now she's just prepared for the hug. She's like, all right. She knows it. Right. She's in it. I just knew you're just my people. I was like, oh, there she is. Like, yep. (laughs) You have that effect on people, huh? Yeah. It's the eyes. It's like hypnotizing. (laughs) Anyway, so, you know, I was really intrigued with your background and your experience in couples work. Cause I knew even, I think that was like one of the very first things you said is I fucking love couples. And now that's <laughs> the worst in my opinion for me. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people hate them. A lot even of people are working with them. Yeah. I forgot about that. My specialty in, clin- I should have said that my specialty in clinical work is couples therapy. I fucking love it. Like I love couples. That's why we wanted you on here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even mention that. I forgot about that. And and I kind of resonated with you too, because I was, I was married at the time and I was having a, like he and I were in a major fight, mm-hmm. <laughs> a major fight while, while I was at this retreat. And yeah. so I kept trying to use you a little bit, you know, like, well, what am I supposed to do? This person, you know, that kind of thing. But over the years, as we've become more and more and more friends, it I've just developed a lot more understanding of what like a couples therapist is and like what they do and how they look at things and and all that. And then when we met up a couple years later and we got in a big fight over that server dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Chris Money. Yeah, I was sitting there thinking, this is like I want to kill her right now. I want to kill her. And there was nothing about you that was as angry as I was in that yeah. moment. Like you were enjoying our, our fight. I didn't even know we, we were fighting for real. Yeah. Like, you were annoyed, but I, really, I, like, I love this conflict. Yeah. Because my, my background growing up, if you had a conflict with someone, like you were going to beat their ass. Like that's how... <laughs> You know, there's no like, okay, we're going to agree to disagree or anything like that. It's like, oh, we're going to fight. Like, Meet me in Walmart parking lot. 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. That's like right way. away though. I mean, I think that, I don't think that I used to enjoy conflict. I don't think that I was good at it. I don't think I enjoyed it. It was probably more passive aggressive. You know what I'm saying? Like growing up, like, I don't know if I really witnessed healthy conflict or what I would say like, oh, that's healthy conflict. Oh, cool. Like I could name it now and say what it is. And it was really Steve because Steve is not like, he'll go, we'll just go toe to toe. And so whenever we started dating and then we, you know, you are with somebody like you have, I know we've been together for 13 years at this point, including like the amount of time we've dated. So we would argue. And I think, I think what happened is this, he and I like built safety in our relationship, I I also felt more willing to like push back. Like if he would get angry, maybe before being with him, I would just like, okay, sorry, you know, whatever you need. And then after being with him, it's sort of turned into like, no, fuck you, man. Like I, I have a point here too, you know, like we're in conflict and not like hating each other or anything, but like fighting, like actively debating or in conflict about something. And so I think that it like, it, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it, my conflict style then is it takes a long time for me to get ruffled, like for my feathers to get ruffled. And, um, most shit is just like, we're going to talk about it and work it out. And if I'm like annoyed with somebody, then that's also part of a relationship. Like he equally drives me crazy and whatever we, I forget what, oh, I remember what we were talking about. (laughs) 
whatever it was with money, we were trying to like get questions for him. And I kept talking and you kept like getting mad because I was interjecting and you were trying to get him like, to like, basically like, and not interrogate, but like you had a line of questions for him. And I was like, Casey, it's this like, blah, blah, blah. I would turn to talk to him and I would turn back and talk to you. And you were just like shooting me daggers, like shut the fuck up. (laughs) I don't shut up easily though. So I was just like, why are you questions? This is dumb. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't even realize we were really in a fight. And then, <laughs> and then, because it didn't feel like a fight, it just felt like we're sort of bickering banter. I don't know. Like you were just annoyed and it's just like, yeah, okay, cool. Like you can be annoyed with me. That's okay. <laughs> well, I, go ahead. I, I was just thinking like conflict style. I also, you know, that there's like an important component in a relationship is like, what are your, what's your individual conflict style? And then is there like a matchup with your partner or with the person that you're in conflict with, or is there a um, discrepancy? Mm-hmm. Well, you said, well, now three things. Oh, sorry. I have something to go first. I was just curious because Casey and I talk about like the fork in the road, like you're about to change versus you're not. And I was curious, you said you never used to really like conflict or enjoy conflict, but there was like this change. Do you know when that change occurred? I remember one time, I don't know if this is like the time that it occurred. I think it was, I'm, I'm it, it was just gradual over time. Like the way Steve and I will argue now about something is still very different from five years ago or 10 years ago, or, you know, the very beginning of our relationship. So I would say it was gradual, but there's like one moment in particular where he and I were, I can't even remember the context, but I remember something happened between us and I was upset about it. And I said something about it to him. And I would say historically in a relationship, if I were to do something, and I'm, I mean, like family of origin relationships with some exceptions, like friendships, partners, you know, et cetera, I would be met with a defensiveness or someone just dismissing whatever it was that I was feeling or thinking, et cetera. And he actually cared. Like he actually heard what I was saying. And I thought like, oh my God, like, I remember feeling sort of overwhelmed with this, this, this happening. Like, even though he's also upset, he is listening to me. And like, that is not something that I'd ever really experienced before. And so I would say there were like a couple of moments like that, that really stand out, but that was probably like more than norm where I had a person who was able to like hold space for me and like what I was going through, even though he maybe felt differently or was thinking differently about something. You said two things that made me write write it down. The first one, you mentioned emotional safety. Mm. You said that you felt safe, you know, you felt that emotional safety and that made you feel comfortable to be able to like, really kind of express how you felt or whatever. And I remember there was a point after my divorce and after uh, our period of time and and Kelsey and I was the beginning of our relationship. And I, I remember talking to you, Tara, and I was like, it's just weird. Like, I mean, and we were, and I was just telling you how I could like talk about things and all of this. And and you said, it's emotional safety, Casey. And I swear to you, that never even occurred to me. And so it also then like, it was like a trickle, trickle down effect that, oh, I've never had this before. And I think so many women must feel that same way. They've never had it until they do have it or if they ever do have it. And then like what you said, it's weird. And, and you and I even talked about it yeah. where it 
it felt dysfunctional almost because my dysfunction was normal. Yeah. So to t- tell someone how I feel about something and then there not be an actual altercation was weird. And so I think like in my mind, I was, I was in this place where, look, if we're not fighting and one of us doesn't leave, this isn't a real relationship or something ridiculous, yeah. you know, but it's it was high stakes. Yeah, it was very high stakes. And I think in the beginning of our, our relationship, there was a lot of components that made it even more high stakes. But the second thing stuck out to me was in my mind, which I didn't know, I was associating conflict with someone being done. And mm-hmm. so every time there was a fight or a conflict, I thought that the relationship was over. It's a mind fuck. Yeah. Tell me about it. And so think about how crazy you act when you think, oh, well, now it's over. Now they're done. Because that's all I'd ever heard is, you know, like someone being mad at me or upset with me instead of listening to my side of the story. They're like, well, I'm done. I'm done. And how that even like integrates with the safety piece that if you have somebody who's always threatening to leave, you're basically never going to rock the boat or you're going to explode because everything that you haven't rocked the boat about is like building up and like resentment and sort of this like, pressure, you know, it's like this internal pressure just increases. There's no release valve for it. And then something does happen and it's crazy fight or this huge just fight when reality is like, if you would have these micro and some macro conflicts along the way, you you wouldn't be built up to that point. But if, if conflict isn't safe and you can't let trust it, or you have any issues with anger, like if anger is really scary based on whatever experience you might've grown up with, if People threaten to leave, so it's not safe. If whatever, there's all of these variables, then that those micro and macro conflicts aren't going to happen. And so then it it just ends up like being this uh, self-fulfilling cycle too. I am so avoidant of conflict because I think conflict equals fight. I really have a hard time with that. Like and conflict is bad. Yeah. Like conflict is bad. I'm never, and not that I think people are going to leave. I just don't want to feel that. I don't want to feel those feelings. Like, I don't want to feel the the fighting feelings. Yeah. Is it like um, unsettling or like dysregulating? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think Casey and I have done really well at like saying, hey, I just need a few minutes just to like process my thoughts because I can't be met with like conflict right away and not have an understanding of what's going on. <laughs> just mm-hmm. need that. Well, bit of time. and you, you know, I, we have totally different styles for conflict and all of this we can talk about now because we have literally talked about it for two years and yeah. like tested it and tried to understand it. But in yeah. the beginning, it did not, we could not do this. Like this was yeah. not possible, but uh, for her, I, I wanted to just choke her because we would have this disagreement and all she would say is, I just want to be normal. Let's just be normal. And I'm like, Oh, so you just want to pretend this is not happening. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, yeah, but yeah. that's what she came from. Like, that's what she was used to. That, but that doesn't work for me. Like, yeah. I can't. I have to, like, we have to come to some kind of solution here. And yeah. so we had to be able to find a balance of her avoidance and my confrontation because the more she would avoid, the more I would confront. You know, so it would like make me more anxious. And I'm this turtle in a shell, like you ain't breaking my shell. I come out. (laughs) (laughs) And then sometimes like in my head, I'd be like, well, I'm going to have to show her. And so then when we would have some kind of disagreement, then I would then retreat to be the turtle. 
And then she couldn't stand it. And so like, she would be following me around the house. Like, Hey, Hey, what are you doing? Do you not even care? And, you know, so it was all of this, like trying to figure out how do we handle these conflicts? And I remember one of the first conversations we had about it was like, look, we have to get to that place that conflict is not bad. Mm -hmm. You remember? Yep. Constantly. Kelsey, we're having a conflict. We're not fighting. (laughs) Like we are not fighting. (laughs) I think that also people think of it like, I don't remember. um, It might be in Why Marriages Succeed or Fail, which is one of my favorite. It's just one of my favorite books. Of course, John Gottman, Why Marriages Succeed or Fail. It's like written in the 90s, but I mean, you know, they like keep their research going. They're stellar. So, and I think in there, he says that there's a higher, oh, I'm going to butcher this. There's a higher percentage of success in relationships where there's more conflict in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's the function of conflict? Like it doesn't, fine. Maybe it doesn't feel good to have, especially if you don't know how to have it. It doesn't feel good to have maybe emotionally. So it feels sort of like dysregulated or volatile on the inside. It's unsettling. It's it's all of these things. But like the function of it is that you are trying to be heard and you're trying to make a point and you're trying to be understood and you're trying to like create a better relationship for yourself. Like something isn't working for one or both parties. You have to have friction. Like you, you can't let the system continue on without making adjustments. And that adjustment might look like a big argument or just a small a small disagreement. All of it for me is conflict. Like it's all the same. The intensity of it varies obviously, but like it all serves the same function. You have to have some friction in order to like course adjust and then go in a slightly new direction. I mean, you know, if nothing is said, then nothing can change. Like if nothing is voiced, I can't, I don't know what the fuck Steve thinks. Like that's why I'll ask him, like, what do you think? What are you, what are you thinking about? How are you feeling? Whatever. I mean, I'm going to like directly ask him. He's probably less likely <laughs> to directly ask me, but only because I'm going to tell him right away anyways. So <laughs> beat him to the chase. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't need to. I'm just going to speak up. That makes a lot of sense because I, I would imagine that a lot of people have these relationships where maybe in the earlier years of the relationship, they didn't have a lot of conflict or they avoided conflict or, you know, all, all of the, all of the different things. And then they get to a point where it's something that's unavoidable and they have to, they have to conflict it out and they don't, they don't even have a, a, a foundation to be able to do that. It's not even, oh, I forget one of you said something earlier, but we have to get to the point where conflict isn't Casey. What was it that you said? Or Kelsey, you were tell, talking about what Casey said earlier on, like where conflict isn't bad. Yeah. Like conflict yes. doesn't have to be a fight. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I think that there's the only way you can get there is through doing it. I think that's the other piece. Like you could talk about it and say, well, we just don't want to, you know, conflict doesn't have to be a fight. We can have this conversation. But the reality is like that, that doesn't integrate. Like you don't have an embodied sense of what that feels like unless you actively engage in conflict. And then you can draw on your own experiences with, oh yeah, we did this. And it wasn't, that wasn't that bad. Like that was okay. And then next, you know what I mean? Like you have to actually go, then go through it too. So it's sort of both like the understanding that this thing is, Conflict doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be this giant fight. And also then you have to live it in order to be able to like integrate and then apply it the next time something comes up. Well, I think it also brings to light. This is just my opinion. This has no clinical research. <laughs> the anecdotal. It's fine. Small disclaimer. I think that conflict also does something that we don't always recognize. And 
whenever we have a conflict with someone that we care about or or we don't, I don't guess that really matters. I think it it shows a lot about ourselves. How we show up in conflict shows a lot about ourselves. And maybe that's the reason some of us tend to avoid it is because there's parts of ourselves that we don't want to necessarily recognize or own up to. And and I'm looking at her, but you know, for me that 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 is the case. And so like one of as an example, one of the things I learned about myself in conflict was um, I mean, I grew up the youngest. I was the youngest kid of my brother and sister were 13, 14 years older than me. It was kind of weird because it was almost like I was the only child in a lot of ways, but then in other ways I wasn't. And so I guess I felt like I wasn't taken seriously very, very much. Like my opinion was just like, oh, well, you're just the little, you know, Mm -hmm. little kid or whatever. And so I just kind of grew up feeling like I had to fight for everything I really wanted. Like, you're going to listen to me. If I'm going to say something, you're going to listen to me. I'm going to make you listen to me. You pair that up with, yeah, like you said, never witnessing healthy conflict. I've never in my life witnessed a parent or any kind of parental figure have a conflict with a, with a healthy resolution ever, not once. So I think when I really started paying attention to conflict with with Kelsey, I noticed that my delivery was the problem with her. She needed someone to come to her very low, like very soft. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That is not my delivery. I'm mm-hmm. very blunt. <laughs> I am just I just tell you what I think. Doesn't mean I'm angry or mad. It's just like this is what it is. And and she, she, her tolerance, she cannot that the, the blows are completely out of her window. Well, it's interesting because one of the most emotional therapy sessions, like personal therapy sessions I had was we were talking about conflict and my therapist had asked me well, what do you remember conflict looking like when you were younger? And I was like, whoa, like I do this with my clients all the time, but I never experienced that myself. And the only time that I really saw conflict was a divorce, like, you know, in the middle of chaos or uh, my mom and her wife splitting up. Like those were things that that was the only time I saw conflict in a relationship. And so I was like, oh, maybe, maybe this is why I am so avoidant of it. And maybe I do have the same fear as Casey as far as like people leaving, but I just show it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we finally were able to come to, I say this all the time. I mean, I know (laughs) we were finally able to come to this point of, I think it was me that initiated that conversation because I was going to therapy as well and having a lot of these conversations with my own personal therapist. And I went to Kelsey and I was like, look, I need to know where are we at in this relationship? Like, are we, are we on like a, a long haul path? Like, are we just, <laughs> are you we know. just hanging out? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> because if we're committed to one another and I know that, you know, you want to be with me and I want to be with you and we have plans for the future, then I can let go of that, that whole, if we fight, we're done. Like I can let go of that. That shifted a lot for me just how like how anxious I was showing up in in conflict because the stakes were not so high. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I was just like, well, it's obvious I'm here. If I didn't want to be here, I wouldn't be here. But I had yeah. to communicate that to her for her to feel like, okay, this is okay. Yeah, this is actually safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're, you're an asshole and I don't like you right now, but I love you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
makes me think about like the conflict styles piece and then also still more of the emotional safety. Like if hypothetically, if that conversation had happened six months into your relationship, it wouldn't have had the same impact. But like it took time in your relationship being together and like having maybe some good and some bad experiences with regard to conflict is what I mean. And then also the individual therapy around the topic. And then also still another candid discussion. Like it's like this multi-layer thing to get to a place where you can, oh, oh, okay. Sink in a little bit more and like settle into what is, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, I, I think it seems anytime I talk or think about conflict, it's simple. Like it seems it is, it's simple, but it's, it isn't easy because there is so much there's so much personal stuff for each person in conflict, not only like your maybe temperament or approach to conflict. And the Gottmans will say there's three basic styles. I think they say, I always forget, um, avoidant, diplomatic. I always get that wrong. I think diplomatic. And then it used to be volatile, but now they call it passionate. <laughs> Regardless. And it's not like any one way is the best way. The more important thing is that you're with a partner that like, relatively matches that same conflict style. So someone avoidant with someone volatile or passionate, excuse me, it's much harder to like do that. You know what I mean? Like that's a much harder relationship versus two folks who are diplomatic will say like, oh, I hear you and here's how I feel. Like, But my point is you've got like individual temperaments and individual approaches going into things. You have your own relational history around conflict. You have your own personal experience around conflict and other relationships from your family of origin. You have your own triggers, like you have shit that's going to set you off that your partner's not going to be set off by. And if they don't know what you're set off by, you might be what looks like, you know, what is it flying off the rails? Is that the, that's the phrase, right? Flying off the rails, going off the rails. Maybe that's it, whatever. It's Kentucky slang. It's something with the rails. And when that happens in conflict, I, I, I can't speak for most people, but in my anecdotal experience in working with couples in conflict and like reading and learning about it, people don't realize that that actually reflects like probably a core wound, something really central and like a, a a trigger, so to speak, something that you're like especially sensitive to. And so if that trigger hypothetically is something like abandonment or something like feeling criticized or something like feeling alone or something like feeling voiceless or powerless or trapped, or it, let's say something, any of those things, at any point in time that I feel like for me, it's going to be voiceless, which probably fits because I use my voice a lot, but <laughs> it's going to be voiceless. <laughs> like I don't have any power, like voiceless, powerless, like no matter what I say, it's not going to matter is going to, it's going to set me off. Like I'm, I'm going to go off the rails at that point, or I'm going to like really be activated and like engage in we're fighting, fighting now, you know, this is like a, this is a conflict, but what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that if that's my thing and I don't know that that's my thing, And then all of a sudden I just like, I'm set off in a fight and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck happened. I just like, I lost it. I lost it on Steve. I lost it here. I didn't know what was happening. Then it's going to look like it's going to look super messy from the outside. But if you can talk through and process and like isolate down to like, oh, that's the minute that I lost it. Oh, that's the feeling. Oh, that's the history of that feeling. And I can relay that information to not only understand it myself and then also relay it to Steve. Next time we have this fight or a fight, you know, because of course they're inevitable, I can say, nope, I'm I'm super getting triggered right now. Like I absolutely feel voiceless. I need you to hear me. I I really need you to understand where I'm coming from. And it's going to be a tell for him like, oh, okay, cool. Got it. 
And conversely, I know for him, it's going to be trapped, like trapped in a conversation. I don't mean trapped, like um, I'm chasing him down talking, but like, I think (laughs) probably like a different version of like, there's no way out of, I I don't know how to have this conversation. Like, and I'm going to be seen as the bad guy, that sort of trapped. I think there's something interesting to be said. And a big thing that I have always done with Casey is like, what do you need? What can I help with? What do I tell you every single time? I just need physical attention. No, <laughs> this is your left face. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> can you can you see her saying this? Like two years ago, three years ago, four. I can't. No, I think that's probably why I knew that you were my person because I knew already. Like I was like, well, obviously she needs this, but she's not going to say it, and that's the game. Like, yeah, okay, I'm going to hug you regardless because I know that you secretly love it, even though you. Like, I wouldn't just go around hugging people who told me no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> so my family is a hugging family. And it's really interesting because Casey's like, I'm like, run, run. Then I told her, I was like, just be glad we're not a kissing family. And she's like, oh, my. oh God. that'd be so funny. It's like I some random person coming yesterday in. On accident. I thought it was her. Her mom sat down by, behind me. And uh, I turned because I, I was getting ready to kiss her mom. And then I realized it was her mom. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> that would be bad. That would be Thank bad. you. And Tara has prepared you for hugging. So we're good. Well, I don't mind it as much anymore. I mean, I just I'm, I just resign myself to the fact that it's going to happen. And so I just kind of like, you know, drop my shoulders and just lean into the hug. But you do need that. Back to the original. You do need that physical touch in order for you to know that things are okay. Yeah, I do. And I never thought I needed that. And that that was kind of where I was going with just wrapping up our podcast for today is I think the only way to get to some of these epiphanies or realizations is just to really focus on your self-awareness, whether that's through therapy or, you know, if you have a good support system and that's kind of we jokingly called this the the back porch bestie podcast because you know we were just talking about it. We just seen like you just seem like a best friend that you sit on the back porch and yep. and talk drink and, wine with, drink tea with, yeah. Mm-hmm. Say that you can just have these conversations and they can say, well, it sounds like you know you're getting back into that same cycle that you've been in before, or all of those things that you mentioned, Tara, about you, you and Steve, and if you wouldn't have been. If you're you're just that kind of person, like you're just always trying to learn. And so being very self-aware and understanding your own patterns and triggers and core fears. And I think it takes energy and intention too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially initially, it's exhausting. I think I've always been prone to doing this, but I think that whenever people, I I just like, I think there's something like my natural proclivity is to think about myself in the mix, not like in a narcissistic selfish way but like what's my role in whatever the system is like how am i keeping this alive or how did i kill this conversation or how, you know what i mean whatever it might be but i think whenever people start doing it you know i mean you both have done therapy but not as like as clients but also like as therapists it's exhausting for people it's worth it i think it's worth it cuz why would you want to live a life where you're not turning over stones around you but it's also super exhausting yeah. Well, I think it makes you a better individual, a better a better partner, a better parent, a better friend, just a better person in general. And I can't imagine being where I'm like if I went back two years ago and I can't imagine still being in that same place. Yeah. 
mentally and emotionally and yeah. can you like no cannot imagine a lot of conversations a lot of intention and just there are days where it's super exhausting but I think you know months later it's worth it mm-hmm. yeah well I mean Tara there's like a hundred different spinoffs that we could do from conflict yeah absolutely <laughs> So mm-hmm. when you put this baby out and you get back and you're ready to talk some more jabber. Jabber jaws. Yeah. I'm really sad that you don't have your braces. I mean. My braces. I still have some. Uh, I have my bottom ones. Got my braces. I got a retainer in though. So, but it's one that like, it looks like the Invisalign. It's like one of those, like the clear. Yeah. So I don't have the bar behind my teeth. So. Well, you let us know because I know that there's so many things that we could talk about when it comes to conflict. And I'm sure people that are listening already have more questions and probably resonate with a lot of the things. So I'll close us out today just by saying thank you, Kelsey Blower, some kisses, hugs. Uh, (laughs) And if you like the podcast, listen to the podcast for the first time, just go and like, share, tell your friends, um, do all the things. And a big five star review. And that, and we will see you back next week. And thank you, Terry. Let us know how your house on the Terry goes. Little house on the Terry. Thank you both. Yeah. Thank you. Love you. Big kisses. Mainly hugs. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to hear more from us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast so we can keep making great content like this. 